I think music is the most cathartic thing in this world. And if you really think about it, if you took music out of our just everyday life, if music didn't exist, it'd be the weirdest experience ever. So it's just always in the background, but then I think so many people, I mean, that's why the biggest artists can do what they do. I mean, you look at Taylor Swift, so many people think, like feel that they've lived her songs or they know her or they help that have helped them through things. I think that's like the biggest gift that we have as songwriters is being able to do that for people because I I always tell people when they're like, what do you want out of this? Like, I want to impact people in a way that they feel they can listen to my music and it did something to them. Whether it made them happy, whether it made them laugh, or just like made them cry their eyes out. Welcome to Curious Goldfish, a podcast community where music and curiosity come together through interesting conversations with the music makers of our world. I'm your host, Jason English. You can find Curious Goldfish in all the major podcasts and social media platforms. And of course, we have all of our content on our website, CuriousGoldfish.com. It was really fun to see Grace Asbury perform recently late on a Friday night at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta. The 25-year-old Atlanta native and current Nashville resident showcased her entire arsenal of talent, from her sweeping emotional vocals to her clever, creative songwriting, with a lot of personality and charm in between. But what struck me most about that night, and from the conversation I had with her for this episode, was her sentiment and authenticity. On one hand, she's putting herself out there trying to be seen and heard by whomever will give her three and a half minutes. You can see the ambition and commitment in her eyes. She wants it, whatever it is. But there's more to her than just being an ambitious singer. The sentiment and authenticity was really embodied by her storytelling and the stories I heard before the show, waiting for the doors to open from friends and acquaintances who remember watching Grace perform when she was in middle school. You can tell they want her dreams to come true as much as she does. Maybe because of her talent, maybe because of how tight-knit her family is, or maybe because of the nightmare they collectively experienced four years ago with the passing of one of her older brothers, Sam. She talks about that experience and sings us a song she penned shortly after the tragedy, which is both inspirational and heartbreaking. But beyond her voice, beyond her catchy lyrics, it's going to be the authenticity Grace has in her core that will help her achieve what she and her close network so desperately want for her. Will she make it? You never know in Nashville. But with her talent, with her support system, and with that authenticity, my bet is she does. I hope you feel the same after listening to our conversation. Here's Grace Asbury. Let's dive in. Hi, Grace. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for your time. Of course. So you're in, in Atlanta for the weekend. Anything going on this weekend in Atlanta? I have a show tomorrow at Eddie's Attic at 9.15 p.m. And it's going to be fun. It's kind of, I haven't had a show in a minute. I have a lot of new stuff. And I'm excited to get to share that with people. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, Eddie's Attic is legendary. What kind of set do you have planned? So it's very 
much. I have a little bit of my old stuff sprinkled in there, but since being in Nashville, I've had so many co-writes. So it's just kind of, and we're in like this rebranding phase of my career. So it's this whole kind of new vibe that I'm bringing to the table. So it's just a lot of like, you know what, here's the new stuff. Here's me is a lot of these songs you might be hearing in the next few years. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a very acoustic listening room vibe and we're going to have a good time. And I have a couple covers thrown in there. So people are going to know the words, but don't go there thinking you're going to know my songs. <laughs> right. Well, that's kind of the point is to get to know singer songwriters. Right? Yeah. <laughs> have you, you, have you played at Eddie's before? I have. I've played two times before. One was with a full band, really fun, great, great energy. And then the second was just kind of a broken down drummer and guitar player not fully acoustic but like kind of acoustic so that was really fun and then I just that was the show I realized like you know what it's more fun to play in this room with a very stripped down vibe yeah 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 I get that so you grew up in Atlanta I think you've played obviously you've played Eddie's before like you just said and I think you played Buckhead Theater I have so what what are the top two venues you want to play in the next five years here in Atlanta in Atlanta yeah yeah oh my gosh that's a great question. I mean, there's Tabernacle. I know. Um, the Roxy. The Roxy is one. I would think that would be really oh. cool. I would love to even play. I mean, this is ambitious, but like, it'd be amazing if I got to like State Farm and stuff like that. Just oh, yeah. growing up, those are giant stadiums and arenas. <laughs> Just being from Atlanta would be, I've gone to so many sports and things and co- concerts. I'm like, it'd be amazing if I was in there. But yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, how long have you lived in Nashville? I moved last June. Okay. So pretty fresh, not even a year in yet, but it's been a whirlwind since I've been there. Yeah. yeah. And you went to UGA? Did what? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you grew up here. You went to U- UGA. How old are you now? I'm 25. So you're 25. Yeah. All right. All right. So 25, I'm assuming single in Nashville. I'm not single. You're not single? No, I'm not. All right. I moved with my boyfriend okay. actually. There yeah. You go. Who's also my drummer. So oh, okay. we're very tight in, <laughs> but the collaboration is very good. It is. It's, um, he wasn't my drummer when we started, or he wasn't my boyfriend when we started playing together. And then we just kind of hit it off and we both made that leap together to go there. And it's really nice because it's a big move and it's kind of amazing to have a support system there. So it's been almost a godsend to have him there. So describe to the audience life in Nashville in your mid twenties, trying to sort of make it in the music industry. I mean, is it exhilarating? Is it exhausting? Is it everything in between? I would say at first it's a little like nerve wracking. Um, I'm a very outgoing person and so it's fun to be there and meet people. It's a extremely different vibe, I guess, than I've ever been used to. Cause I felt like in Atlanta, I was kind of in no man's land. I was kind of doing country music on my own. And I'm a really competitive person. So being in Nashville has kind of like upped my game a little bit. Like I have to prove myself. I want to be here. And it's been really, really fun. But there's times where, you know, my first couple of co-writes, I would walk out and be like, was that really all? Am I good at this? Like, was that stupid? Because you just, people write so differently. And I never really co-written with anybody. And I didn't know how they were taking me as an artist or as a writer I was like, maybe they, but then they asked if they wanted to do it again. And I was like, okay, so they must want me back and they must like me. But it is a little like messes with your head a little bit and you have to just kind of fight through it and just be like, no, I, cause I think that's how it like weeds people out. Like 
you either get the mentality of I deserve to be here and I'm going to prove it or you just get kind of scared and pushed out. So how does that work to meet this when you're co-writing with somebody? How do you meet the other co-writers? How does that all come come together? So some I do have a manager who's put me in some rooms with like a little bit bigger songwriters, which is very nerve wracking. Um, And then others are just organic going to rounds throughout because there's like rounds all week at different bars in Nashville and you just go and they'll have like every hour is like four different writers and they play their songs. And I've done a couple of those since I've been in Nashville. And you just kind of, if you hear somebody that you're like, Oh, I feel like we'd write well together. I like what they do. You just go up and Hey, my name's Grace. Like I'm right. in town. I'm a country singer. And then they're either like, eh, right. don't want to, or they're like, Oh yeah, here's my numbers. Well, you mentioned confidence earlier. You've got to have confidence to, mm-hmm. to put yourself in that, situation yeah right so that 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 says a lot yeah i mean that's half the battle i think not just with probably with songwriting and music but also with in business or dating or whatever it's like you kind of have to fake it a little bit Mm -hmm. and and probably extend yourself and be like i'm i i have to think better or think more about myself than i probably am to put in a situation where you can probably have that opportunity yeah is that what you find very yeah i it's like kind of staring fear straight in the face because my dad is like Mr. Salesman. So he is like no fear when it comes to just walking up to people. And I wish I had a little bit more of that because, and he's really like trying to ignite me. I have part of it, but that's one of the biggest things in Nashville that I've had to just like push that wall down and like break it down because it's like you have to be totally okay walking up to people and then being, I don't want to write with you or I don't. And because a lot of times they're like, oh yeah, let's do it. But it's like, if you just never ask people or try, you're never going to make those like connections and make your name known throughout the town. Like even just walking up to the people that run the rounds, that can be a little nerve wracking of being like, hi, I would love to be a part of this. Like a lot of people are like, no, I don't want to do that. And I was kind of like, I don't want it to be weird. And I finally was like, okay, like right. I'm just going to go say hello and say, I would love to be a part of it. And it's worked. And <laughs> like, but it is, it's just having the confidence to be able to go talk to people. That's a huge thing. And a lot of people have talked about that to me is like that kind of separates people in Nashville too. Like if you're afraid to be like forward and go talk to people. And I was like, that's a good point. Well, the, what's funny is the, some of the artists I've talked to talk to as part of this podcast, I'm, kind of shocked at how insecure they are and how there's not a, there's not a lot of confidence Yeah, and you know, and so it's, yeah, it's a great point because you could be so talented in songwriting and on an instrument, but there's sort of the intangibles that you probably need to kind of navigate and make it right. I think that's like almost the curse of being an artist is like the creative side really overtakes and if you think about writers and stuff, we pull so much from whether they be our insecurities or just personal life or what's happened to us. And you do, you're just like stuck in that creative state. And I feel like I've met, I think that's what really, like songwriters, it's pretty okay to be like that sometimes. If you want to be an artist, that's when you have to be able to kind of have that like type A alpha in you a little bit. You have to, like I've talked to a lot of people who have been like, you have to believe that you have something that other people don't have, which is very true. Like, cause you have to make people believe that too. Like I deserve to be here. There's, there's a path for me and I'm going to prove it. And so I had somebody always tell me like, you need to have a chip on your shoulder. If you want to be an artist, you got to be like, 
mad. Like you got to, things have had to piss you off and you have to be like, no, I'm going to go get this. And I kind of definitely have that. I like looking at it more of the way, because somebody said, you have to believe you're better than other people. I was like, I don't believe that. I believe that I have something that other people don't have. I think it's a better way of putting it rather than, I was like, I think there's some extremely talented people in Nashville. Well, it's also, it must be kind of frustrating because the line, it's a thin line between quote unquote making it and then whatever not making it means. I mean, sometimes someone someone's happy of just like being a local person that does gigs yeah. just at the local bar or tavern. But, you know, because it must be frustrating because there's a lot of people that have quote unquote made it. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> They're not that good. Right. Yeah. And then some people that, again, whatever definition of like making it is, haven't done that yet. And they're so freaking talented. Yeah. And you just kind of wonder like, wh- think, what is it? You know? I think it's so, it is. Cause I mean, trust me, the amount of times we've all like been around them and just like, people like this song. Like it's so interesting, but I think it all comes down to just the people you get around you and your team. And then what do you have to offer? And like, I think a lot of times it's not the better vocalist. It's not the better song. It's something about that person mm. that people tap into and they do a great job and they find something really specific and like, and they have their own style. They have their own branding kind of thing and they stand out. Like I think like, for example, like Lainey Wilson did a great job with that. I love Lainey. She's one of my favorite artists. And then, um, you know who Megan Maroney is? She is She's gotten pretty big in Nashville. I always, she has this thing called like emo cowgirl. That's her vibe. She, I think, sings like kind of sadder country songs, but I respect the hell out of her and her team because they've done a great job, Mm. like pushing her and marketing her in a way like nobody looks like her in country music and she's done a great job at that. And I think that's really it because it's like, there's so many talented people in Nashville and there's so many talented songwriters and singers, but it's like, what's, what's going to be the thing in the path that, you take that nobody else will be able to like get there yeah. before you. And I think that's one of the most important things when you're trying to be an artist is like finding that and like getting people around you that can help hone in on that. And I've really gathered a team around me and we've with the new songs that I have coming and I'm excited because I feel like we're heading down a path that it's like, all right, no female in country is like hitting this right now. So nice. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the reset earlier. Tell us more about what that actually entails. So I did have like three singles, like 2019 to 2021-ish, I would say, like all through COVID times. And then we had an album follow. And that was awesome. And it was a great experience. It was, the album was kind of all over the place, in my opinion, just because I was younger and I was just writing like a bunch of songs and I didn't really have like an idea of what my path was. And when I started to get a band around me, I did. But we... Unfortunately, we had added some people onto that team who had added a lot of fake numbers to my stuff. So fake mm. streams on Spotify, fake stuff on Instagram. And it, it hurt me because a lot of the social media places started to really crack down. They wanted to be really authentic. Mm. So I started to get like hidden, blocked, and I had to delete everything, start from scratch. And so now we've made the ultimate decision just to take everything down so I could have like the best opportunity of actually growing. And I was kind of in a place where I didn't think it would hurt me. So we were like, let's just start from ground zero. And I'm in this whole, and it's really fun because it's kind of like 
a whole new life and like new energy and I get to just put my next single out and be like this is my sound now and everything that will follow will be similar in all line into like the Grace Asbury sound and people will know when they hear a song like oh that's got to be her so well what what is the Grace Asbury sound it's a great way. That's a great question. I asked, one of my, I told one of my friends about it and she was like, I feel like I just need to hear the song. And then when I told her, when she heard the song, she was like, oh, I know what you're saying. It's like a more gritty sound to female country. Like very, has Southern rock elements, the big dark toned guitars, you know, mm. rock heavy, big, really percussion based. Um, and just has a little bit of like the pop side in it, but not the way you would hear it today. I think the best way is like, just like fierce grit coming at you. I'm a big vocalist, so we use that to my advantage. And it's just, yeah. And it's kind of the content for majority of my stuff is not usually what you hear. So I'm excited about that too. You can hear it soon. So no, that's like, good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So kind of back to Nashville and what you're doing now, sort of ahead of the singles coming out and this reset, are you gigging like every night? I'm well, pretty much every night I'm in such like a connection based time. So like every night I'm going out are you? Yeah. meeting people. Um, usually it's just every weekday, which is kind of funny. Right. The weekends are my chill time because the weekends is more just the touristy bars. Right crazy cover bands and I go out Monday through Friday pretty much go to all different rounds whether it's the listening room or live oak or the local whiskey jam I just want my face to be seen try to talk to people meet people mm. and it's just getting your face and your name out there and the more they see me I have a very specific look every time I go out so I've started to be like people be like I feel like I've seen you before I'm like yep nope, I've been here I've always had my cowboy hat on okay. that's my go to and it's just that's the vibe. That's what I do. And I've been playing, which is my biggest thing right now is getting in those songwriting rounds. And I've done about five or six of them now. So just being out there and having my name out there. So, and I think the goal is to get more gigs this year, more like paid gigs and right. stuff like that. But, um, right now it's just kind of like being in the scene. My right. dad likes to say, go where the target market is. <laughs> he's got, yes, he's got, you know, he, he's a sales guy. Yeah, he very much is. That's awesome. Um, so where, what are your sources of inspiration for songwriting? I mean, some people may say, well, she's 25. There's no, you know, what, what has she possibly experienced, to, you know, to, to lead to heartbreak songs or, or whatever. But, you know, everybody goes through shit. Right. Yeah, what, what's what's your main source of, of inspiration for songwriting, or does it does it depend? It really, it kind of depends. Some stuff is really personal. Some, because I, I have, I'm, I know I'm young, I'm 25, got a lot more life to live, hopefully, God willing. But I have had a lot happen to me in my life so far, and I've had a very blessed life, but definitely have had challenges. And then some of it is just ideas. I might hear somebody talking and be like, well, that's an interesting, like, concept, or... Because I think the most fun songs are actually, the personal songs come easy, in my opinion. Mm. You feel it, you write it, and it's just like within you. But I really like a song where it's just you have to build a story. Those songs are fun because they're challenging because it's like, I'm, that's, I didn't live that life. But it's kind of fun to step into that storyline and write a song that people can like literally see in their minds when they're listening to it. And I think... As a songwriter, you know, you've been given a gift to be able to put certain things 
into words and melody and people are like, oh my gosh, I've lived this and I feel this and whether or not I've lived it, I'm kind of speaking for maybe somebody that has or I wrote a song that speaks for them. So it's, that stuff's always fun to me, but it's a mixture for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned you've, you've been through a lot. Uh, you've experienced a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, tell us about that. Yes. Um, unfortunately, when I was, it was actually the, um, it was 2020, so it was the four-year mark on February 11th, so a few days ago, um, my brother took his own life, which was really surprising. I remember getting the call, and I was at UGA. I was, like, driving back from my workout. Remember the street I was on Macon Highway, and my dad called me, and I was going home the next day because my brother was living with my parents at that time. He had just graduated from UGA. It was just like for six months, just living while he made some money. He had a great job at Northwestern Mutual, was a financial advisor, and everyone loved him. Like he was funny. He was like the athlete in high school, you know, just a great guy. Like he's the funniest guy I've ever known in my entire life. Like wittiest, hilarious, and. I got a call from my dad and he was like, what are you doing right now? I'm like driving back from my workout. And he was like, okay, um, are you, I was like, I'm about to pull into my apartment. I was living with my friends and he was like, Sam like took his own life today. I thought it was a joke. I literally was like, that's not funny. I don't know why you're saying that to me. So, um, cause I was like, I think the first thing he said when he said Sam, I said, Sam Asbury. And he it was like, yeah. And he was so numb on the phone. That's what I knew. He's right. like, I wish I was joking. And it was just mm. like, I was in shock for a minute. And luckily my best friend who I lived with at the time, I like called her and I was like, Hey, where are you? And she knew right away from my tone of my voice. She's like, what's going on? What's wrong? And I was like, I just told her and she stopped everything, like drove home and got there. But it was a really it was a whirlwind because it was just like so shocking. But after that, it was just a long road of like, because then right after that COVID came. Right. So that was like right. my whole, whole family was locked in a house together and we're all grieving in different ways. And it's just, if you've ever dealt with like grief, you know that people deal with it so differently. I kind of felt like the backbone of the family. My dad was super strong. He compartmentalized very well. And my brother, who was in the military at the time, he's now home, but he was really strong too. But it just was, right. it was weird. Like it was a very, I don't even, and like you go through these, such these big waves of like happiness and then you feel like guilt almost for being happy. Mm. And, and it's weird now because my life is so different than when that happened. You know, I have a boyfriend that he never met. Right. I live in a state that he was never in and it's just so interesting and it's like my parents don't live in the same house anymore they used to live in and we've sold everything that Sam was a part of so it's like there's times where I like it hits me I'm like oh yeah like all of that happened and it's weird because you feel this guilt of like how could I just like forget about this and you're like well I didn't forget I'm just I'm in a new life basically and it's I miss him every day and he truly was the funniest person I've ever had mm. in mind. And he was like my best friend the last six months of his mm. life. We went to games together. Like I loved having him around and we were at UGA together, but it is just, it's just 
I think it just comes and goes. I started crying the other day. It just, mm. my friend just texted me randomly and was like, hey, I just wanted to check in. I haven't asked about this in a while. And I'm big on like, feel every single emotion. Like I went, this might sound interesting to some people, but I, I went and like yelled at my brother, like at his gravesite because mm. I was so mad. Because to me, it's like, there is a selfish side to suicide, but you also get to this place of like, it's so horrible that they get to that place, mm. you know? So, but like, I'm like, be angry, get mad. Like I did that and it helped so much. And then it allowed me to like get that anger out. And then of course I was there and I was like, I miss you. I love you. Right. But it's just, when I want to cry, I cry. When I want to be upset about something, I am, you know, right. it's like, you can't, the more you try to like box it in, you're just going to implode one day. So the age difference with, with you and your brothers, you guys are all pretty, all pretty close. Pretty We're cl- all pretty, a year and a half. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. So I have a daughter and two sons. She's the oldest, but they were all a year and a half to two years apart. Mm-hmm. So really, really tight. Are you in, in your brother today? How has that impacted your, your relationship with your, your brother? We were all like always pretty close. We kind of went through the waves of like, you know, the siblings. I was the one they targeted and then it turned into we targeted Sam and then Sam and I targeted Ben. So (laughs) it was like that. But we, as we got older and older, we all just like grew up a little bit. But um, I would, Ben was probably my strong point when it all hit Mm. because he came home from the military and I, I didn't want to cry in front of my parents because I was like, especially my mom. Because I was like, she got the brunt of it, right. and like, I I can't be that person. And my mom's been through so much. She's the only one standing from her immediate family, mm. and like now her son. I was like, are you mm. kidding me? So I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to be upset. But when Ben came home and we picked him up at the airport, I just like fell into his arms and started crying. And he was really strong, and he's very much of that like military kind of mindset. He cried. All right, we get up, we move on. He's great in that way. He feels things, but he's very aware of, we have one life, like we can't just be sad all the time, right. which is very true. But, um, so he was definitely the person that I always leaned on, and I still do. And we always, we t- called and talked to each other a lot when I was in college, but it's different. We probably talk to each other five times a week. We're very like, right. Oh, and I have nothing to do. Oh, I'll call Ben. And it's like, we're both really talkative and like to talk to each other. Yep. On my ride home, I'd probably talk to him for an hour. So, so he just, yeah, it definitely mends you. I think it can kind of do both a little bit. I think in the beginning, it's very, depending on how people grieve, like me and you get in fights just because like you are upset or you're mad or little things like get to you. And some people are just numb. Well, trauma, trauma has yeah. so many impacts. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all unexpected, no matter what the, what the root issue is. Right. If it's you know, addiction or death or, or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. I, that, yeah. I, I can't imagine what you guys went through on, on that. How, how has that affected you in the last few years leaving UGA, starting mm-hmm. this career in music. I'm sure you, you said you think about them all the time, but in terms of songwriting and in terms of when you're on stage and performing, you know, yeah. what's the feeling? Um, it's interesting, actually. Right before, like two months before Sam had passed, he'd, I remember we were standing, it was like before the SEC championship, and we were standing to go into Mercedes-Benz. Um, 
and I was like, yeah, I mean, if I make it or like if I get to that point and he looked right at me and just goes, if. Oh, cool. Grace, like you're going to make it. You're ridiculous. And like I hold that with me because mm. it's just I always whenever I start to doubt myself, I'm like, no, and Sam's up there now and he's like my angel and he's got my back and just keep your head down and work hard. And so whenever I know whenever I get on stages and like the bigger they tend to get or like the moments I get, I'm always like have a little like thank you up there. Just like I know he's looking out for me. He's watching. It's just I know one day when I get to a point that I wanted to get to, I'm there's going to be like a moment that I'm like, I did it. And right. like we did it. And it's just it's really it's it's interesting. You know, I definitely believe God has a plan and I don't understand it and no one does, but, um, he's, he's up there watching over me. There's a reason for this. I'll see him again someday, but I know when I get on a stage, he's watching over me and he's with me every step of the way. So it's just that feeling that I know I have my greatest angel up there who has my back and hopefully he's putting a good word in for me. But (laughs) we've mentioned a couple of times the, uh, his humor and how funny he is. What, what, what's an example of that? Oh, I mean, it's stuff that like, he was like obviously funny to everybody, but I'm trying to, like, he was somebody who was like so improper and would say stuff that like, I probably can't say, but um, <laughs> like he would just do stuff that like, if you knew him, you would, he was just ridiculous. Like he would, like we were in Italy for some reason you know how they say arrivederci like that's their like is that hello or goodbye i don't remember um but for some reason he would always just keep going arrivederci arrivederci me and then you're just looking at him like what does it even mean like what is that but you're just like staring at him like okay we all just if you like knew him you'd be dying laughing that's hilarious and he would always take little lines from songs and like add them into like just a conversation and you're oh like, gosh. what's happening? Like, it's like little rap songs and just, he was, he was really funny and he just, and he was an asshole. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he right. was, he was, he could be so mean, but it just was like just a brother. Right. But, um, he was so amazing in the way of like, if I was upset, he was the only person that could like cheer me up. And in the funniest way, he would just be like, he used to always make fun of my voice too for some reason. He'd act like I was way more country than I am. I would say something and he would be like, what would I'd be like, he would say something and then he would mimic me in a really country accent. And I go, I don't talk like that. <laughs> and he go, I don't talk like that. And I was just like And then he'd always make this face of just like <sighs> and like look at me and it was just like but it was like he could get under your skin but he knew how to cheer you up and yeah. one day I was having like a bad day and he ran up behind me and picked me up and he's like gotta take out the trash and tried to like throw me in a trash can but it made me laugh yeah. it, it, he was just he was such a light and it's just sad to think that he right. didn't see that right but well thanks for sharing yeah for sure I really appreciate that so in terms of uh dealing with grief and, you know, and then the underlying things around mental health. How important is music? Do you think, not just to you as a as an artist and a songwriter, but music in general? Whether you know you play, you listen. How can music sort of help people through those those times? I mean, I think music is the most cathartic thing 
in this world. And if you really think about it, somebody has said this to me before, but if you took music out of our just everyday life, if music didn't exist, it'd be the weirdest experience ever. Like if you, every TV show, every movie, you're on an elevator, you're at a sports game, you're just in your car. Like it's just, if you took music out of stuff, it feels so weird. So it's just always in the background, but then I think so many people, I mean, that's why the biggest artists can do what they do. I mean, you look at Taylor Swift, so many people think, like feel that they've lived her songs or they know her or they help that have helped them through things. And I think that's like the biggest gift that we have as songwriters is being able to do that for people. Because I, I always tell people when they're like, what do you want out of this? Like, I want to impact people in a way that they feel they can listen to my music and it did something to them, whether it made them happy, whether it made them laugh or just like made them cry their eyes out. I think it's just such a powerful thing and some people don't realize it but I'm really lucky that I can write and put like within Sam after he passed within two weeks I wrote a song for him Hmm. and it was super super cathartic and I was able to get my feelings out and put them down on paper but it's nice there's people that have listened to that song before and like it helped them and it got them to a place where they were like that like did so much for me and like I just lost my cousin and she like this song helped me through that and it's just I think that's what like we have the power to do and that's what music does and that's one thing I always like to remember is like I don't I'm not in this to just like be in the spotlight like I'm in this to impact people and I believe God put me here for a reason and this is my way that I get to make an impact on people's lives in that way so no, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, good for you. Well, I think, you know, obviously Sam, uh, his passing is awful by itself. But when you, like you said, when you couple that with COVID yeah, and then everything around that, and you, know, you, you look back at that time and you just don't know what people are going through, mm-hmm. you know, and we all have, we all have our ghosts, yep. you know, whether they're personal ghosts, family ghosts. And can you imagine going through COVID uh, without music? Or, you know, the situation that your family had to endure and whatever else people are doing, you know, it's just the, it, it's crazy yeah. that, you know, just the, like you said, it's cathartic and it's therapeutic and, and all the things. And, uh, and I think like back to songwriting, you said you have your, your songs that you can sort of put on paper to help you kind of process things. Do you think anybody can be a songwriter? You know, it, I think journaling is I think it's a special gift to be able to put things into melody and build a song. But I think anybody can put their words on paper and it can be cathartic. Because yeah, yeah. I have friends. I mean, I have one best friend. She can never write a song. But she can journal like <laughs> nobody else. Because like, like, I definitely wouldn't say, I mean, that's not fair. Anyone could write a song. It right. just might not be right. your calling. But... Right. <laughs> um, but I think I think journaling is like one of the most powerful things you can do, and just like even just like writing down. I'm really big every morning and just writing three things I'm grateful for. Hmm. Can you share what you uh, what you're grateful for today? What am I grateful for today? What did I say this morning? I'm grateful. I had like cute ones. I was grateful for my dog because I love being able to wake up to such a happy face every morning. It's like I'm so blessed to wake up and I have this dog who's like so excited to see me every morning, and that was my first thing. The second thing was my dad. He is 
my number one supporter, my number one fan. We can butt heads. We're very similar. But I know at the end of the day, he wants nothing but the best for me. And he truly is my number one fan. Um, And the third thing was my mom. She will pick up the phone anytime I call her. I call her when I'm bored. And she is always my first call in the morning, no matter what. Hey, mom, what you doing? It can be a two-minute call, but she's always my first call. So those are my three things this morning. I just, I always have a different one every morning. But it's just, I was just, my dog was really excited to see me this morning. And I was like, you know what? That was fun. Like, he was running around the house and sprinting. And I was like, just in a happy, good mood because of that. So, which I think we take for granted sometimes how amazing animals are in our life. Because I grew up riding horses too. And that was also a very, like, cathartic thing just to be able to, like, get on an animal and have a bond. And it's just very amazing. But I think it's good to reset your mind each morning and just be like, what am I grateful for today? Well, how, I mean, how fortunate are you? Because I know, I mean, I've heard and I know a lot of people that female growing up, the whole daughter-father relationship was either not there Mm -hmm. or was just completely dysfunctional. Yeah. You know how fortunate you are to have a dad that's your number one champion. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have not only a dad, but like a family that's so supportive, but my dad is truly like invested to the point where sometimes you want to just like grab him and shake him (laughs) and tell him to leave him alone. But it's just, it is amazing. And he would do anything for me. I know I always come back to it whenever we get in fights or arguments or I'm frustrated about his thoughts about my music or something. I always come back to like, you know, all he wants for me. He almost wants me to succeed more than I do. He doesn't, but he's right <laughs> there with me. So it's just, I always come back to that. Like he looking out for me, wants the best for me. Yeah. So. You could do a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'd try. So yeah, that's awesome. So just real quick in the rest of the year, you mentioned the reset. I think you said before we started talking, a single will be coming out every couple months. Is mm-hmm. that what people can expect? For yes. The rest of this year? So my, not my first single, but my first single for this year mm-hmm. comes out next Wednesday, February 21st. Honest Man is the title. Very excited about that song. And then following, we don't have a set date yet, but I know in April, my next single called Slow Down Child will follow. And then every five to six weeks, we'll have... A single, so you can look out for four singles this year with a possibly a Christmas song. And then if things keep rolling in a great way, then an album should be following at some point. But that is our plan for now. So I'm excited about it. Got a lot of good stuff in the works. So. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, we're grateful for your music and uh, best of luck. Could you play some music for us? I would love to. All right, thanks, yeah. Grace. Thank you. <laughs> Hey y'all, I'm Grace Asbury. I am going to play my next single. It comes out February 21st, Honest Man. And I wrote this with David Spencer and Houston Phillips. It was actually my first co-write in Nashville, and it turned out to be my first single in Nashville. So here it is. If me and honest babe, we were one wedding that way. From forever in a little white church Till I found out you were Sitting at the bar when you say you're home Just getting in your car but you're all alone And now the truth is I can't do this 
no more. I don't want your roses, you can let it die. I don't want your diamonds, they ain't worth a dime. Save that truck in your shotgun seat for somebody that ain't me. Cause how am I supposed to One more. 
Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Curious Goldfish. Please follow and subscribe to the podcast and on social media. Also, tell your music-loving friends about us too. Until next time, stay curious.